G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Each of us is an innkeeper who decides if there's room for Jesus. Just as there was no room for Jesus in the first century, there's often no room for him in our lives today. Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to make a change. Sometimes Christians don't have room for Jesus, so we'll give him lip service. But ask God to enter into our plans. Ask God to be a part of our business. Ask God to be a part of our family. Oh no, we'll take care of that ourselves. We need to make room for Him. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Merry Christmas from Pastor Greg Laurie and all of us here at A New Beginning. We hope today that you're making good memories and enjoying a time of family togetherness. Regardless, we can't forget the reason we celebrate. Jesus came so that we might have life. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie reminds us that he also wants to be part of our everyday lives. He wants us to open our hearts and invite him in. What better day to do that than today, Christmas Day. I want to think a little bit about when Jesus came, where Jesus came, and why Jesus came. So when did Jesus come? Answer, he came at the appointed time. You know, there's an interesting passage in Galatians 4.4 that says, when the time was just right, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That phrase, when the time is just right, actually speaks of something that's ready. Sort of like a ripe piece of fruit waiting to be picked. It also is a word used to describe a lady who is pregnant who is ready to give birth. So it's going to happen. But also consider this. It had been 400 years since Israel had heard from God. 400 years since a prophet spoke to them. 400 years since an angel appeared. 400 years since there had been a single miracle. They're probably wondering what's going on. Has God forgotten about us? I wonder if you ever feel that way. You might say, well, it's been a long time since God has spoken to me. Well, maybe you should put down your cell phone and pick up the Bible. And it might start happening again. Unless you expect God to text you, which you could do. But uh, that'd be an interesting thing, get a text from God. But God speaks primarily through His Word. And I think if you'll open it up and read it, you will hear Him speaking to you. But 400 years pass, and then suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere, but really right on schedule, an angel of the Lord announces that the forerunner of Messiah is coming, and that forerunner's mother would be Elizabeth, who would conceive a child, and she would name him John, John the Baptist, And so that meant Messiah was coming soon. We're going to read from Luke chapter 2. If you brought a Bible, you can read along. 
And Kathy Laurie is going to read a few verses to us about what happened on that first Christmas Eve. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So the author of this gospel is Luke. Dr. Luke, he was a physician by trade. Uh, He was a stickler for detail. Luke was not one of the actual disciples of Jesus. He came along a little bit later, and so he interviewed people that were a part of the original nativity story. It's possible Luke sat down and talked to Mary and said, Mary, I need some details on this. Uh, Maybe he interviewed the wise men or the shepherds or others, but he put this story together with great attention to detail. And he pinpoints it in time with two significant names, Caesar Augustus and Quirinius in verses two and three. Now we know that Caesar Augustus was the emperor. So this crazy guy thought he was a god. So he, this all-powerful man who thinks he's a god decides one day, I'm going to pass a decree that all the world should be taxed. And you know what? He was just a pawn in the hand of God Almighty to accomplish his purposes. You know, historians tell us that they believe that this Caesar, Augustus, was around five feet, seven inches. Now I'm not demeaning anyone who's five feet, seven inches, but let's just say that's not a tall person, okay? So this little dude who thought he was a big guy makes this decision. So it gives new meaning to little Caesars, right? (laughs) The only recorded words we have of Caesar Augustus are pizza, pizza. No, that's (laughs) commercial on television. But um, we would not even know the name Caesar Augustus or for that matter Quirinius if it were not for the Christmas story. But God moved them to bring about his ultimate purposes. Why? Because he wanted Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem. The problem was they were in Nazareth. And Mary was nine months pregnant. And when you're nine months pregnant, you don't want to go anywhere, much less make a journey like that. But the Lord touched the Caesar, Augustus, to give this decree. So they made that very difficult journey because God said in Micah 5, 2, Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Thou Bethlehem, Isaiah says, though you'll be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth one whose origins have been from everlasting. Mary and Joseph both trace their genealogy back to King David. In scripture it said, Messiah would come of the root and the offspring of David. And Bethlehem was David's boyhood home, by the way. So they made the journey back. Everything was in place. And they come into town and there's nowhere for them to stay. Now they were not wealthy by any means and they went from place to place presumably and everyone said no. So we read there was no room for them in the end. Now we want to vilify this innkeeper. We always call him a guy. What if it was a girl? It's possible. 
But whatever it was, guy or girl, it's not that they were wicked. They were just preoccupied with other things. And this was not a priority to this person. Because here knocking at his door is what some call the holy family. Mary and Joseph. Now in some art we see them with halos over their head. You have two people knocked on my door with halos over their head. I'd let them in for sure. Or we thought that maybe they kind of glowed in the dark at night. There they were. No, they were just like any other impoverished family looking for a place to stay. And this guy was so heartless or too preoccupied with money that he said, well, sorry, there's no room in the inn. But you can go out and sleep with the animals. Have your baby out there. So Mary and Joseph make their way to probably what was a cave with straw on the ground, with a cold, damp air, and there the Savior of the world entered our planet. And so this is just sort of a picture of a lot of people today that are preoccupied with so many things. But before we come down too hard on the innkeeper, consider this. Each of us is an innkeeper who decides if there's room for Jesus. And I'm talking about a Christian. Sometimes Christians don't have room for Jesus. So we'll give them lip service. We'll show up to church on Sunday morning. But ask God to enter into our plans. Ask God to be a part of our business. Ask God to be a part of our family. Oh no, we'll take care of that ourselves. We need to make room for Him and give priority to Him. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. You know, maybe you come here with a troubled marriage. Things are not so good on the home front. Or your family is fractured. The idea of a family reunion is not appealing to you at all. Or maybe you're very ill. Or maybe there's some other problem. Maybe it's a problem with your finances. A, a problem with something else. I suggest to you, you make room for Jesus Christ and invite Him into the middle of whatever it is you're facing. The innkeeper had no room. Ironically, Jesus Christ, who said, in my Father's house are many rooms but here he comes now into our world to be born on the dirt floor of a filthy cave. He is the word without a word. Here's one of the problems of the Christmas story. I think we've overly romanticized and beautified it. And by that I mean we put this veneer of, of Christmas fairy dust over everything, even the nativity story itself. And I think sometimes we miss the power of it. Because I think as you peel these things away and realize, yes, it was a silent night. Yes, it was a holy night. But I don't know that all was calm and all was bright. There was war in the world at that time. There was friction. There was fear in the air. But in that time, in that culture, God entered our planet with the message that there could be joy to the world and peace on earth among men with whom God was well pleased. But let's think for a moment about why Jesus came. We know when He came, when the time is right. We know where He came, Bethlehem. Why did He come? Well, it certainly was not so we could have an excuse to get ourselves into debt this time of year. Certainly it was not so we just would go to endless parties. It was done because He knew that man was separated from God and that a price had to be paid. It's hard for us to think about the baby suffering because we don't want to wrap our mind around that. But the reality is the Son of God became a man so men might become sons of God. 
Jesus was born so we could be born again. Jesus came to earth so we could go to heaven. Jesus left his home in heaven to make a home in our heart. And Jesus left his home in heaven so we could have a home in heaven. He did that all for us. You know, I mentioned a tree. Christmas is about a tree. It's about a family tree and it's about another tree. It's about the tree that Jesus died on. Because the Bible says, cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. Jesus hung on the tree, if you will. He hung on the cross of Calvary and died for the sin of the world. And that is why red is the color of Christmas. I know you've been dreaming of a white Christmas. And in a way you can have a white Christmas. But not because snow will fall. But because if you understand red is the color of Christmas, then you can realize that white can be the color of Christmas because though your sins are red like crimson, they can become white as snow because God will remove them. That's the best kind of white Christmas of all, having your sins removed. Red is not the color of Christmas because that fat guy from the North Pole wears red. It's not red because we wrap our presents in red. No, it's red because that was the color of the blood that Jesus shed for the sin of the world, for your sin and mine. So we just celebrated Christmas with our grandkids. I mentioned that in our son and daughter-in-law. And and so we're all there and and we gave them all these little gifts, you know. And, And we held one big gift for every child. So for Allie and Christopher, we got Allie a bookshelf because she loves to read. I've never seen a little girl read so much. This little girl always has a book. And uh, so we, we showed her her bookshelf and she squealed with delight. So we could hardly wait to show Christopher, our grandson, his new bicycle. And he comes out and he goes, oh. <laughs> He climbed up on it. I said, Christopher, what do you think of your bicycle? Kids are so honest. He said, I don't like it very much. I love the honesty of kids. Maybe it's a little big for him. He he maybe wasn't sure he could ride it a little bit later. His dad was pushing him around on it. But you know, there's going to be some disappointments. You know, some of you are going to give something and the person you give it to is not going to be as excited as you were buying it. Some of you are going to receive a gift and you're going to pretend you're excited when you aren't, also known as lying. But, uh, but I think it's great that we give gifts at Christmas. But what is Christmas at best? Well, it's getting together with family, enjoying meals together, exchanging gifts, catching up. I think worshiping together is the greatest of all Christmas traditions, which we've been doing tonight. But uh, Christmas at its best can't deliver on its promises, because I think in some ways Christmas is a promise of better things to come. It's a glimpse of what is coming, something far greater on the other side. So really what we need is not merriment, we need the Messiah. We don't need presence as much as we need His presence. And God has given us the most amazing gift of all, the gift of eternal life. It's the gift that says you don't have to be afraid of death any longer. I have a friend who has a son, and this will probably be his last Christmas on earth. And I just texted him today. And, uh, and he texted me back, and, and my heart goes out to him. 
Because I, th- I think about whatever challenges I'm facing or we're facing to be with your child and think this is the last Christmas I'll see them on earth. That is heartbreaking. But, but here's the deeper message of Christmas. You'll see them in heaven, you see. And, and this is the deeper message. Jesus came to this earth so we could live forever. And so when our loved ones precede us to heaven, we can be reunited with them again. Christmas marks time. It reminds us time is passing. It reminds us we will not live forever on earth. But the good news is, is you don't want to live forever on earth. You want to live forever in the presence of God in a brand new body that he has for you. And that's the gift that God gives us. The meaning of life now and the hope of life beyond the grave. Do you have this gift? Right now as you're listening to me, do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that your sin is forgiven? And if you were to die, you would go to heaven. If you don't know that, you can know it right now by simply saying to God, I know I'm a sinner and I believe you sent the Savior and I want him to come into my life and forgive me of all of my sin. I want you to receive this gift and I want to offer it to you. In a moment, we're going to pray and I'm going to give you an opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ and be forgiven of all of your sin. And I promise if you do this, this will be the merriest Christmas ever. Let's all bow our heads. And everybody praying, Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to this planet of ours to be born in that manger, to die on that cross, to rise from the dead, and now to stand at the door of our life and knock. Just just as the innkeeper got a knock at the door, And sadly for him, he turned Mary and Joseph away. We have a knock at our door. And yes, we can turn Jesus away. Or we can invite him in. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to receive you now. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA, with an important word of prayer. And what a great day to respond. If you'd love to respond on this Christmas Day and know the Lord personally, Pastor Greg would love to help you do that right now. I think people are surprised that it doesn't take years to become a Christian. It doesn't take months. It doesn't take weeks. It doesn't take days. It doesn't even take hours. You can believe on the spot. And I would like to lead you in a prayer where you can ask for his forgiveness, a prayer where you can receive Jesus Christ into your life as your Savior and Lord. So if you want Christ to come into your life, if you want him to forgive you of your sin, if you want a second chance in life, if you want to go to heaven when you die, stop what you're doing and pray after me. These words, Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin, and I turn from it now, and I choose to follow you from this moment forward as Savior and Lord, as God and friend. Thank you for loving me and calling me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you've just prayed those words with Pastor Greg and you meant them sincerely, Know that the Lord has heard you and forgiven you of your sin. We'd love to welcome you into the family of God and help you with some follow-up materials that'll help you to begin a new life of faith. 
It's something we call our New Believers Growth Packet. It's available when you call during office hours on 1-800-00-5011. Well, next time, Pastor Greg brings us a very freeing perspective about fear, anxiety and worry. It's definitely good encouragement with the new year approaching. In the meantime, we hope you and your family have a wonderful Christmas day from all of us at A New Beginning. Now, for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Mary Did You Know? Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.